Welcome to Epic Moses, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. Having looked at what redemption is and why we need to be redeemed, let's now round things up by looking at some of the details of how it works. How exactly does Christ's dying help us? I asked a friend recently why Christ couldn't just pray for the world to be saved. After all, he is the Son of God. We often say that prayer is the master key. Why then could Christ not deploy prayer to save humanity? We will explore these questions to find clarity by getting down to the details of how our redemption works. Some might ask why is it important to know these things? Why can't we just believe in Christ, accept his offer and enjoy the benefits? Obviously, not knowing these things doesn't stop anyone from redemption. The same way not knowing how a car works doesn't stop people from using cars. However, the day the car develops an issue on the way, you better pray you know something about how cars work. Generally speaking, people are usually too comfortable not knowing things they should know, especially in our part of the world. I understand that in some other regions, you can't get driver's license without taking a driving test which involves theory before a practical test where they ask questions about street signs and simple car maintenance routines like checking of the oil in the engine and water in the radiator knowing these things will make the car last longer and make a driver more confident about driving in that same way, knowing the details about redemption will make a beneficiary more confident about the experience. We know from the preceding episodes that the spirit, which is the man that is saved, not the whole human makeup. However, the effects of that spiritual experience can in time trickle down to affect the soul and even the body. In a way, I could say that Christ saves our spirit and our spirit in turn saves our soul. Then our soul saves the body. In the same way that God made man and man became a living soul, then the soul formed the body. Looking at it this way, it means the salvation of the spirit is Christ's responsibility. Then the salvation of the soul is the responsibility of the spirit. Then that of the body is for the soul to work out. These different levels of salvation is the reason certain people become confused about salvation. Some have expressed it this way. They say you are saved, you are being saved, and you shall be saved. Each of these salvations are not the same at all, but the redemption we're discussing in this series is basically that of the Spirit 
which is effected by Christ. We will also speak a little about the other two salvations because the initial redemption by the Lord doesn't have much effect on physical life here on earth. What it does is that it basically buys you a ticket towards eternal life. It is the other two salvations that have great effect on your quality of life while you are here. It is very true, as Isaiah 53.5 says, that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. Nevertheless, these things are not enjoyed automatically. They are benefits of the third salvation mentioned. Our ability to benefit from that work done by the Lord depends greatly on what we are able to do with the other two salvations, which are not in Christ's hands, but ours. First and foremost, the redemption process is based on the fact that the wages of sin is death. Man had sinned in Adam and was worthy of death according to that divine law. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, For he had made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here, this scripture talks of a kind of exchange of guilt with innocence. Christ, who never inherited the sin of Adam because he had no earthly father, exchanged his innocence with humanity's guilt, which we inherited from our forefathers. Let's bear in mind that Christ, being of immaculate birth, is the only reason he qualified for this job. Had Christ been born like the rest of us, he would have carried the same guilt from the day he was born. Many people make the mistake of believing that babies have no guilt. On the contrary, every human being is guilty from the day they were born. Which is why the belief that our righteousness or guilt has anything to do with our own actions is laughable. By dying the death of a criminal as an innocent man, Christ exchanged his innocence with our guilt and actually went to hell as we would have. This is because apart from the physical death he suffered, carrying our guilt also meant he died spiritually as a result, paying the full price for our iniquity. However, after three days in hell and satisfying the claims of justice against man, Christ was brought up out of hell to assume a higher rank in the universe as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now when I say claims of justice, the question is, who is it that had that claim of justice against us? Well, it was God who we sinned against. He is the plaintiff in this matter. So you see, mere prayer could not have solved this in place of that sacrifice. There's actually no master key because every problem has its proper solution. Now, Christ having satisfied that claims of justice on our behalf, 
God had to acquit man from all wrongdoing forever. There is no longer a case between God and man. As a matter of fact, God has left the courtroom and Christ, who satisfied the claims, has taken God's place as judge. You can see Romans 14.10 So anyone who tries to accuse man of sin will have to bring the case to the same Christ who has already paid the price. You can also see Romans 8.34 This is why accusing people of sin since that time is a foolish, baseless and unproductive act. The only person who can judge anyone is Christ himself because he earned the right. There is no hope at all for anyone who rejects Christ, neither is there any alternatives. Those who think they have a choice are living in self-deceit. As far as humanity is concerned, Christ is inevitable. You will either meet him as a savior or meet him as judge, but meet him you must. As ones who are beneficiary of the grace of Christ, it is then up to us to cascade the spiritual benefits we've received down to the soul through what we call the renewing of the mind. This is done by cultivating knowledge through taking in information. The soul is the action center of humans. So the condition of the soul determines the quality of life a person can live. Ignorant people will suffer no matter what is available to them because having anything without knowing you have it is just like not having it at all. The book of Hosea 4.6 says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Therefore, no matter what one receives spiritually, Getting knowledge about it is necessary to actualize it in our lives. It is only after this that the effects of redemption can be felt down to the physical body. Now in conclusion, let's summarize what we have looked at in this series. First of all, we saw that redemption is an irrevocable buyback transaction, which means it cannot be reversed. It became necessary because man was enslaved to nature and lost his place in the past structure of the planet. To restore man, a redemption package was planned and executed by God through Christ by paying the death debt of man in an exchange program. Having achieved this great thing, Christ was elevated to King of Kings and Lord of Lords and made judge over all mankind in place of God. Henceforth, anyone who brings a case of sin against man will have to bring it to Christ who already paid the price forever. Therefore, Christ is inevitable as both Savior and Judge. Being redeemed, each person needs to accept this deal to benefit from it or reject it and be judged by it. Then comes the renewing of the mind to actualize the spiritual reality into a physical fact. Finally, I know that some people will ask me 
what happens to the things people do that are considered bad in the light of this redemption package. For that, I will say that all actions will have corresponding consequences, whether good or bad, regardless of redemption. It is called the law of cause and effect, seed time and harvest time in the Bible, and sowing and reaping in Christian circles. We no longer have a case with God, but this law is still in effect. I therefore advise that everyone should be mindful of their actions against their fellow man, so as not to reap regrettable consequences in this life. I do hope that this message will reach all those who may be struggling with guilt and uncertainties about their salvation, and that many might find freedom that has eluded them for so long, which has led them to having unfruitful spiritual lives. I pray that God will give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you. You were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support, and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.